Okay, since Gimel Tammuz is coming up, when's Gimel Tammuz? Shabbos. So we're going to discuss Inyanim, which have to do with Gimel Tammuz. What does Inyanim mean? Yeah, matters. Things which have to do with, with Gimel Tammuz. And uh, the focus we're going to have is about uh, the function of a Nasi B'Yisrael, of a Reb, of a Jewish leader, of a Nasi. What's the function of a Nasi? So obviously there's so many parts to it and there's so much, but we're gonna zero in on one of the Nyanim of a Nasi, which uh, this comes from Sikh of the Rebbe, where the Rebbe discusses the union of a Nasi in general, and that's what we're going to be discussing today. Now, the when the Eibishter gave the Torah to the Yidin on Har Sinai, so he asked them if they're ready to take it. And they said, yes. But before that, Hashem asked the nations of the world, if they want to get the Torah, they want to receive the Torah. And he said no. They didn't just say no, they asked what does it say there. They didn't like what they heard, so they said no. Shem asked the Yidin, you want to get the Torah? They didn't ask what does it say. Nasevanishma, we took it. But did we know what we were getting into? <laughs> we didn't know, but if Hashem says, we'll do it, you know, okay. But let's think about this. What, 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 what were we really getting into? Okay, and let's explore more, like, why the nation said no and why the Yidin said yes. Let, let, we're going to explore this more. And this leads us to, uh, to something very interesting about Torah and mitzvahs versus the Teva Ha'olam. Okay, there's a Teva Ha'olam, there's a nature in the world, there's Teva, and there's Torah Mitzvahs. Okay, now it's, it would seem that no problem, no problem, you could have a Teva, you could have a world, and you could have Torah Mitzvahs. Why not? Like, what's wrong with putting on tefillin? You know, do you think that the nature of the world is going to resist putting on tefillin? Why should it? So you could have the world, you have Taylor Mitzvahs, and Sholem al Yisrael, everything is compatible, no problems. That's the way it would seem. But in reality, it's not so simple. In reality, there is a conflict between Torah and Mitzvahs and the Teb of the world. There's a certain resistance, which we'll soon talk about, a certain resistance in the Teb of the world to Torah and Mitzvahs, even a certain amount of opposition. So it's not a smooth ride, there's a world, and there's Torah and Mitzvahs, everything works together, it doesn't work so simply together, there's an issue here, there's a problem here. 
And what's this problem? So it goes like this, like before we get more to the details. The general problem is that there's Kedusha and there's Klippa. So the world is basically Klippa. Klippa mean, what does the word Klippa mean? Shell. Shell. Shell, okay. So um, the, the shell, what is a shell? What, what is... What's Klippa is a shell? What Layers. kind of shell is Klippa? It covers up the... It's like an onion. Skin. Skin. Yeah, it covers up. Yeah. What does it cover up on? The good stuff. And the good stuff. Okay. So Klippa covers up on Kedusha. Covers up. It doesn't just cover up. It resists Kedusha to a large degree. Okay. So Taylor Mitzvah is one side of the scale. Kedusha holiness of Hashem. But the world, the Olam, which is Klippa, doesn't like that. It doesn't appreciate that. That's also one of the translations of the world, of the word Olam. Olam, world, Olam. One of the translations of the word Olam is Helen. Helen means concealment. A creeper, a shell. The oilum covers up. Covers up on Kedusha. So they don't get along. Kedusha and creeper, they don't get along. Let's just take one example of this. One example. There is so much anti-Semitism. Not just now, throughout history. Anti-Semitism. Even nowadays, you would think it's like, you know, it's already the 20, you know, which century are we in? 21. 21st. 21st century, you'd imagine by now, things, you know, people became normal. It's getting worse as you go along, anti-Semitism. What's the anti-Semitism? There are people in China that hate Yid, and they never saw Yid in their life. What do you hate a Yid for? <laughs> so, whatever the explanation is, we're not getting into all the details, but just as far as that we're, we're concerned. Yeah, because the world doesn't like Kedusha, and a Yid, guess what a Yid represents? The Kedusha of Hashem. So, there's anti Semitism. The sages say whoever hates a Yid hates Hashem. Whoever hates Hashem hates a Yid. There's a resistance. So in the world, there's a resistance to, to Yidin, and there's a resistance to Elmitris. It doesn't go so smooth. That's why we see throughout generations, very often there were decrees against Torah and Mitzvahs. What do you have against Torah and Mitzvahs? No, a decree is not Torah and Mitzvahs. Even now, generation, you have people, countries going against Brismila. Some countries, they want to outlaw it. They want to outlaw Shechita, you know? And in certain places, they want to change the curriculum of the yeshivas. It used to be in Russia, now it's in New York. In New York, they want to change the curriculum of the yeshivas. Okay? The whole world is, 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 not, is not necessarily pro-Kedusha, pro-Yidin, pro-Telemitzvah. There's a resistance. But if we, if we take this deeper, let's take this deeper. A Yid has Torah mitzvahs. So, how does a Yid fulfill Torah? What's the proper way of fulfilling Torah mitzvahs? What's the proper way? 
Huh? Simcha. Right, right. Okay, what else? What's the bar we doing to the It's the proper way. So one key important part of Taylor Mitzvah is that Taylor Mitzvah is your life. In other words, it's not just what you do, it's who you are. That's you what Taylor Mitzvahs are. You know, some people have an approach, well, I'm a businessman, I'm a doctor, I do this, I do that, and by the way, I put on full and everything also, and I keep, I'm a Shomer Shabbos, you know, I keep kosher, Okay, but that's like, that's what I do. That's what I don't do. You know, I keep kosher. Yeah, I keep Shabbos. That's not me. You know, some people identify themselves with other things. Their career or other things, their pleasures. But Telemitzvah is what they do. That's not the shlemus, the completion. That's not the totality of Telemitzvah. Telemitzvah is not just what you do, it's who you are. No, it's a yid lives with Torah mitzvahs. It's your life. So a person would identify himself, not as a doctor, as a lawyer, as a businessman, would identify himself, I'm a yid. You know, you approach someone, you say, Shalom Aleichem, yeah. So what do you do? What do you do? So most people say, what do you do? I'm a doctor, I'm a lawyer, I'm a businessman, you know, what do you do? But, but, but really, it says, what I do? I do tell mitzvahs, that's really what I do. Oh, if you're asking what I do for Panasa, oh, okay, I'll tell you what I do. But what do I do? Tell mitzvahs, that's what I do, that's all I am. Now, when it comes to tell mitzvahs, which is the main part of our life, so you can break it up into two parts. There's Torah and there's mitzvahs. You can break it up. There's Torah and there's mitzvahs. If you compare these two and you say, Torah, mitzvahs is, in our, is our life. It's our life. But if you want to break it up and focus on Torah and focus on mitzvahs, you'll see it's different. By both of them, Torah and mitzvahs, it's our life. But it's not the same. What's the difference? The difference is that when you learn Torah, it's your life in a different way than when you do mitzvahs. Yid puts on tefillin, that's his life, God. But Yid learns Torah, that's his life. It's not the same way. What's the difference? The difference is that when you put on tefillin, it's your life, that means that you're involved and you're excited, simcha, okay? And it's important for you, very important. Okay, that's your life. But when you say Torah is your life, that means something else. Torah is your life means not just because I'm learning Torah, but the Torah that you're learning, you're so involved in it to understand it and to rethink it and go deeper into it. That, that's what you dream about. That's what your whole life is. Okay? In other words, putting on tefillin is what I do. Not just I do, I live with it. I live with it means it's important. It's simcha. Right? But I have simcha from what? From putting on tefillin. But when you're learning Torah, you're having simcha from what? You're living with what? You're living with something that you understand. 
and you try to understand it deeper. And you go deeper and you, 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 you start developing deeper understandings and you start changing in the way you think. You start changing your perspective. Okay? These are changes that happen in your life which when you put on tefillin, they won't necessarily happen in the same way. No, you'd put them tefillin. Okay, what changed in his life? Well, visibly, maybe nothing. Of course something changed because there's Kiddushanu b'mitzvah Every time you do a mitzvah, you get connected to Hashem. It's a very big Kiddusha. Of course there's a change. But is it visible? Do you see it? Do you feel it? Maybe not. Unless you're a tzaddik. A tzaddik does a mitzvah. The tzaddik feels the change. We do the mitzvah. Of course we're connected to Hashem through the mitzvah, but it doesn't mean we feel it. You know, what changed in, in a person's life before you put it on after? You can't detect it necessarily. Of course it changes, but, but you don't see it necessarily. Like it's true, you put on tefillin, there's a certain sensitivity that you develop towards Kedusha and towards Hashem. That's why you have a rule, mitzvah, geras, mitzvah, one mitzvah. Of course, there's, but, but it's not so visible. Changes take place, but you don't see it necessarily. But putting, but learning Torah, that's different. You learn Torah, there's a change. And if there's no change, you haven't learned Torah. We know there's something you didn't understand till now, you didn't know, now you changed, you think differently now, you understand something differently now. So, so there's a visible change. And not just your learning and your changing your mind, but what you're learning becomes your life. Learning Torah is not just an intellectual engagement of the mind, it's, a, it's an experience which you live with it. Torah becomes primary in your life. And the test is, what do you dream about? The test is, what do you daydream about? So, so again, even though Torah and Mitzvahs are both our lives, but in different ways. Now, in order to succeed in learning Torah, so there are two requirements to succeed in learning Torah. Two requirements. Of course, when I say two, I don't mean to limit it just to two, and there's many things that... I'm just talking about like one aspect of this. Okay? Two requirements. One is that when you're learning Torah, no worries. Because if you have worries and you learn Torah... It's not really going to go. You should still learn Torah. But if you have worries, you can't get fully involved. Because you're worrying. That's one requirement. No worries. That's tough. Another requirement is... Yoimam v'olayla. Day and night. You learn Torah. Day and night. No worries. And you learn Torah day and night. <coughs> the problem is the way Hashem made this world is that most people cannot learn Torah day and night because they have to work 
And you have to work because that's what it says, Shulchanach. You know, you're not breaking the rules of Torah. That's what the Torah says. Yeah, got it right. Okay, but on the other hand, but you're not learning day and night. If you're not learning day and night, that's not the shlemus. That's not the complete way of doing the mitzvah of Torah. Putting on tefillin, look, I can put on tefillin in the morning and I did the mitzvah. Okay, I keep Shabbos on Shabbos, then comes Sunday. You know, I put up a mezuzah on the door, the mezuzah is still on the door. I can go to sleep now. But when you're learning Torah, the real shlemus, the real way of learning Torah is learning Torah of It's I'll, I'll give you a, 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 a muscle for that. It's like you could argue back and say, who says you have to learn Torah day and night? Who says that's the Maybe not learn a half a day, learn one hour. Well, what's the emphasis of Torah fully engaged, day and night? Well, why is that the emphasis? So I'll give you a muscle, I'll give you an analogy, analogy for this, muscle. You know, imagine a person is, is married, he's getting married, and he says to, to his wife, you know, I prefer to be half married to you. Let's be half married. Like half the time we're married, half the time, leave me alone. Half the time I'll be in the home, half the time I'll, I'll go, um, you know, half, halfway. It doesn't work that way. Marriage is not a half thing. Marriage is a marriage. It's complete. 100%. A yid and Torah is a marriage. It's a relationship. And that relationship is a fuller relationship. Now, because that's what Torah, that's the shlames of Torah, that's the completion of Torah, that's why there was an opinion in the Gemara. The Gemara is an opinion. The author of this opinion is Rabbi Shimba Yechai. You heard of him? Shimba Yechai says that a person should learn Torah day and night. What about work? What about a job? Hashem will take care. You learn Torah day and night. That was his opinion. Rabbi Yishmael, that was a colleague of his, he says, no, you got to work and learn Torah, but you got to work. Rashi Baichai says, if you're not learning Torah the whole time, it's not really called learning. Of course it's learning, but it's not really the, the objective. Rabbi Yishmael says, no, you got you got, you know, you got to work. Okay, so, so at the end, the conclusion is not the Rabbi Yishmael. In the, as far as this goes. Here we follow Rabbi Yishmuel at the end, which means you go to work. This we follow. But, the fact is that a yid, since we have a relationship with Torah, since we're mad with Torah, a yid has a yearning. The yearning of a yid is that you want to learn more Torah. And you want to learn Torah day and night. That's the yearning of a yid. Maybe you can't do it because Rabbi Shmuel says you got to go to work. Go to work and then you learn every day also. But, but a lot of your hours are going to be at work. Right? Right. That, that's what you have to do because we follow Rabbi Shmuel. But nevertheless, the Neshama has a yearning for learning to all day. There's such a yearning. And that yearning has a name. That yearning has a name. You'll be surprised by this. 
You know what, that, what, what this yearning is called? You know what this yearning is about? This yearning is called, we want Mashiach now. That's what this is. We want Mashiach now. Why do Yidin want Mashiach? So the Rambam talks about it, and the Rambam says that Yidin wants Mashiach because you want to be able to learn Torah day and night. And, and to do mitzvahs in a complete way. Okay. But you want to learn Torah day and night. That's the yearning Yid has. So he wants Mashiach. Some people, their image of Mashiach is, Mashiach will solve all our problems. Okay? Which is true. Mashiach will come and solve the problems. But for some people, that's their entire definition of Mashiach. A problem-solving period. A problem-solving king. That's Mashiach. Right? Everyone has problems. So everyone wants Mashiach because he's going to solve problems. How much do you want Mashiach? Sometimes the bigger the problem, the more you want Mashiach. Because Mashiach is a problem-solving uh, you know, mechanism. But that's not all Mashiach is. Mashiach is much more than that. Mashiach is the time, and it's the ability where you could be fully engaged in serving Hashem, doing mitzvahs and learning Torah. Something which during Golos, during exile, before Mashiach comes, you can't do that. Okay, so that's the desire for Mashiach. That's what the Rambam says. The Rambam says, why the Jewish people throughout the generations, why did they have this yearning for Mashiach? Because that's what they want. They want to be able to learn Torah all the time. So again, we said that there were uh, two requirements. One is, one is, no worries. Number two, fully engaged. That's why the sages say that the Torah was given to those who ate the man. Okay, and what about all the other Yidin? They didn't get the Torah. The Torah was given to those who ate the man. Why? Because they had these two requirements. They had no worries. You know, they didn't have to worry about how are you going to pay the bill? No worries. And they could learn Torah day and night. So the Torah was given to those who ate the man. Okay, and when Mashiach comes, that's what's going to happen. Right, what's going to happen with Pandas when Mashiach comes? With Pandas, what's going to happen? So, the, so, so it says that the non-Jews will work the fields for you. Okay, you'll be able to sit and learn Torah the whole time. Okay. Now, from the time we were in the desert, when we ate the man, till Mashiach comes, there's a long period in between. And a lot, a big chunk of this period is Golos. So, during Golos, all of a sudden, the Teva of the world, the way Hashem made it, the Teva of the world is resistance to a total, complete way of Taylor Mitzvahs. There is a resistance. That's the way Hashem made it. In other words, you most people can't sit and learn Torah the whole day. That's the Teva of the world, the way Hashem made it. That's a resistance to what Torah mitzvahs is in their complete format, in their shlemas. Torah mitzvahs is meant to be fully engaged. Like in the Midbar, when Mashiach comes. But till Mashiach comes, when you're in Galas, 
So the Teva of the world is resisting that. It doesn't allow that for mo- in most cases. Okay? So there's a resistance. Between Kedusha and Klippa, there's some type of resistance. So here we get to, to the catch of what Golos is about. Why did Hashem... Why did Hashem put us into Golos? Like, what's, what's, the, what's the key of Golos? So if you think about Golos the way it is, the Pashtus, basic, the basic understanding of Golos. What's the basic understanding? The basic understanding is because we sinned, we were exiled. It was a punishment. That's the basic understanding. How do you get rid of Golos? Tshuva. Right? Someone says, you do Tshuva. Mashiach comes. Miyan. Okay? That's the basic understanding of Golos. But there's also a deeper understanding of Golos. The deeper understanding of Golos is Hashem wants that a yid in the time of Golos should lift himself higher than Teva, higher than nature. Okay, we'll soon see what that means. To lift, he has to lift himself higher than Teva. That's what Golos says. Now the muscle for this is, the analogy for this is, you have, you have the prince in the palace of the king, and whatever, whatever he wants, he gets in the palace. And, you know, kids get spoiled. So what, what, is the, what does the father do? He sends the prince, he sends his son away, far away, a distant land, and he says, you got to make it on your own. Why? Why? Uh, I'm not going to have whatever I want. That's exactly the point. You're not going to have whatever you want. And you're going to have to prove yourself. You're going to have to make, make it on your own. Okay, you're going to have to really get inner energies and so Hashem says to us, Hashem says, before you're born, we're in Gan Eden. When we're in Gan Eden, what does our Neshama do? We're fully engaged in serving Hashem. The Teva of Gan Eden, the nature of Gan Eden is very conducive to serving Hashem. So that's great. We're in the palace of the king. But Hashem says, I want to take this neshama, which is part of Hashem, a child of Hashem, the neshama, and I want to send him away from the palace. Come down into this world where there are challenges, there are difficulties. And I want you should overcome those challenges. I'm going to give you the energies to succeed. I want you should overcome it. Okay, that's a yirida, that's a descent. Then there's another descent in that in this world, there's the period when there's a base of Mikdash. But then there's the period of Golos. In a certain way, the base of Mikdash is also the palace of the king. There's so much Kedusha. How many miracles took place all the time in the base of Mikdash? In Yerushalayim, how many miracles? What is the Empirke How many miracles? Ten. Ten, right? Okay. Three times a year, the Eden flock Yerushalayim. Yeah? What do they see? They see the Kedusha, they get inspired, they go back home, okay? Then they're going to go back three times a year. But Golos is different. Golos is, 
You don't, you don't see all these miracles. So why is Hashem sending us the Golas? The deeper reason is, 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 is that we should lift ourselves above Teva, even in Golas. That, that's really what Golas is about. Golas is meant to, to, to activate <coughs> The, the deeper energies of the neshama. That's what Golos is. That's the real reason for Golos. And throughout history, throughout our history in Golos, Yidin have been all over the world, very often just thrown out from one country, we had to go somewhere else. And, and yet Yidin maintained their commitment to Taylor Mitzvahs even in impossible situations, even when, according to Tev, it was impossible, they maintained a, a commitment to Taylor Mitzvahs, which is higher than Tev, higher than nature. So, when it comes to Yidin Golos, so there's two ways of living a life in Golos. One way is that when you're in Golas, you act according to the rules of Golas. What's that saying? When in Rome, follow. What's that saying? How does it go? Do what Romans do. Yeah, okay. You know, you're in the world and terror, follow, you know. And, and by the way, you go to Shul in the morning and you put on Phil and you dab it. Okay, right? That's, that's one of the things you do. But, but we're in Golas. You know, there's... We're in Golas, so, so you know, that, that's where we are. That's where we're stuck, till Mashiach comes, okay? But then we're going to keep Shabbos, we're going to do Torah Mitzvah, we're going to learn Torah, okay. But, almost, next time you get straight in here, okay? So, that's not what Hashem wants. Hashem doesn't want, you're in Golas, and then you go to Shul in the morning. No, there's something else over here. Pick yourself up higher than Teva. That's what Hashem wants from us. What does that mean in, in real life? Pick yourself up to Teva. So you could see it in different ways. One way is the Shabbos of Yid. You know what happens in the Shabbos of Yid? Huh? So he's turning up. He eats a Shabbos meal. You eat the Shabbos dick on Shabbos, and when you're Shabbos dick, that's the whole world. There's no tab of the world. There's no work. There's no business. It's Shabbos. It's like you're transported in a different world, the world of Shabbos. There's no Golos on Shabbos. On Shabbos, there's no Golos. Shabbos is, 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 is the times of Mashiach. Shabbos is, there's just Hashem. Nothing else exists. There's no bills on Shabbos. Yeah. Unless, they, unless they close electricity on Shabbos. But uh, you know, there's no bills. Right? Nothing exists. That's in Shabbos. Comes the weekdays. And you go to work. You know. Then you study Torah. And when you study Torah, the middle of the week, there's two ways you could study Torah. You could study Torah in a godless way. In a Golos way, or in a Geulah way, in a Shabbos way. 
You can study Torah with worries. There's worries, but I'm studying, I have to study Torah. Or you could study another way, you could study Torah, that's your life. When you study Torah, there's no world. It's just Hashem and the Torah and me. That's all, nothing else exists. Now, this ability to study Torah without worries in the middle of the week, that's because we're lifted higher than Teva. That's what this is. Mainly when it comes to studying Torah, but likewise the whole approach of Torah mitzvahs. You know, there's Teva, and you could go higher than Teva. I'll give you another example. This is a... uh, sort of a big problem, especially nowadays. So, the Rebbe spoke about this like around Tav Shemem in the, in the early 80s. The Rebbe spoke a lot about The Rebbe spoke about the mitzvah pool revon, having children. And uh, having children, the Rebbe spoke about that, that's a bracha from Hashem. And then there's something that's called family planning. The Rebbe didn't like that, that, that concept. What do you mean family planning? What are you trying to say? Like, you're going to plan your family? You mean you're not going to let Hashem plan your family? Like, you, you want to mix in and change Hashem's plans and you call it family planning? Why are you mixing into Hashem's plans? So, um, the Rebbe was very much against that whole approach. You know, religious Yidin, you know, when you get married... Dave still helps. You have a bruch, you have a child. That's Hashem's blessing. Okay, and if, if, if they feel that, you know, they need some time, they go to a rav, you ask a rav, a shalom halacha. You know, okay. But what do you mean family planning? There's no such thing. You let Hashem do the planning. Hashem runs the world. Hashem gives the brachas. Okay, but then there's a problem. What about Palnasa? How are you going to support the family? How are you going to support them? Because you have a job with a salary, but each child costs money. You know, feeding, clothing, and tuition, it costs a lot of money. And my salary, if you write the numbers down, I don't have enough to support another child. Another child. I just don't have that, that amount. So what do you do at that point? So at that point, there's a conflict between Teva and the mitzvah. So what do you do? So, so of course, the answer is you follow what Hashem says. That's what you do. It's like the same story <laughs> of uh, the guy that uh, has a store opened on Saturday. Okay, and you tell him, you know, it's Shabbos. Yeah. So he says, 90% of my business is on Saturday. So what do you do? Like, what do you expect me to do? Okay, which means there's a conflict, there's a resistance between the Tev of the world and following the of Hashem. So what do you do? So of course the answer is you have to keep Shabbos, because Hashem said so. That's obviously the answer, Okay. Obviously, there's a mitzvah to have children. You have children. Even though you can't figure it out financially, it doesn't matter. It's a mitzvah. But actually, it goes, it goes deeper than that. It goes more than that. Because on Shabbos, let's say the guy, the guy has the store open on Shabbos, 
90% of business is The truth is, what's the emes? The emes is that who gives parnasa? Who gives parnasa Hashem? So if Hashem gives parnasa, how could it be that Hashem says, keep Shabbos, listen to me, and you're not going to get parnasa? But if you don't listen to me, you're going to keep the store open on Saturday, you get parnasa. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't work that way. Like superficially and externally, it could sound like this is the only way you get panasif if you if you Shabbos. But in the long picture, you know, when you look at the long term picture, you cannot gain from desecrating Shabbos. It's impossible. You can't gain on the deal because Hashem is the one that provides. When you keep Shabbos, that's when you gain. You might not see it the first Shabbos that you close the store. You might not see it the second Shabbos, but in the long picture you see it. Like the Rebbe mentioned sometimes, what does it help if you make a lot of money and it has to go to hospital bills, chas v'shalom? Like, like in the big picture. In the big picture you don't gain by keeping the store open on Shabbos. You can't gain, it's impossible. It doesn't make sense. Likewise, when it comes to, you know, having children, so, you know, I don't have a salary, my salary doesn't cover that. So, so, besides the main thing is, you have to follow Hashem. You know, there's no questions asked. But the Rebbe said a very strong statement, the Rebbe said that with every child that's born, there comes more Parnasa. Same thing, because who provides Parnasa? Hashem. And Hashem gives you the mitzvah of having children. And you have a child. So what are you thinking? You'll have a child and now Hashem won't give you panasa. He's the same Hashem that's telling you to have a child. So He's not going to give panasa because you're listening to Him. It doesn't make sense. So the reality is that with each child, there's a new brach. Of panasa, the Rebbe even said it's stronger. Even more than the value of the child, whole family gains in the deal also, panasa-wise. Okay, but this doesn't mean it's always visible to the naked eye immediately on the spot. Sometimes it's a long-term thing, but you see later on, you see the big picture, but you don't see it right away. So there is a resistance between Teva of the world and Teva mitzvahs. There's resistance to learning Teva without worries, and, and sometimes mitzvahs, there's also resistance. So here's where you get to the concept of a nasi b'Yisrael, a rebbe, a nasi. So we have, uh, we have Moshe Rabbeinu. He was the nasi when we got the Torah. He was the first nasi of the Jewish people. He was a melech. So Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Kibbal Teram he went up to Aron Sinai. He gave us the Torah, he taught us the Torah. But there's something else about Moshe Rabbeinu. It's not just that he gave us the Torah. He gave us the Torah with, with the Kedusha of the Torah. The Kedusha of the Torah, the strength of the Torah is higher than the Tev of the world. Torah is higher than the nature of the world. That's why the sages say that before creation there was already Torah. Torah is higher than nature. So when Moshe Rabbeinu gives us Torah, you know what happens next? We get the man from Shemayim. 
we get the water from the rock. Things are running higher than nature. Why? Because Moshe is giving us the Torah. What's the Torah? The Torah is higher than nature. Don't those things be asked So superficially, externally, we were missing water. So we got, we were missing food. So we got this, right? That's externally, right? Or maybe that was the process. But what was really going on? What's really going on is that you get to Taylor, so things are not according to nature anymore. Because Taylor's higher than the world. So the whole system of life changes higher than the world. No, we were hungry, so Shem gave us the man. Okay? He didn't have to give us the man to take care of our hunger. He could have, you know, sent some deliveries from Amazon, you know. Now, what's the other thing, you know, you want to food stores, there's something else. Uber Eats. Huh? Uber Eats. Okay, yeah, whatever, there's different things, you know, where, where you know, even if you want just uh, potatoes, you know, there's, yeah, there's, you know, I forgot what it's called. You call up and they bring you the potatoes, you know. Hashem could have made Amazon, you know. Some merchants should come, Dalton, you know, from India, you know, and some merchants from there, they should come and get food, you know. Hashem will make sure it's a good price, okay, you know. And finished. Like, man is the only way to get food. Okay. And the water. Yeah, the water had to come from this rock. Okay, you go, you travel. And then you bring some Arabs to, 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 to take the water, you know. Water trucks, you know. You bring those water trucks, and you have water. You take water bottles, okay, finished. But the, the deeper reasoning is that Torah, by definition, is higher than the world. It's higher than nature. So Moshe Kibil Torah Misini is giving us the Torah, not just, not just, Torah is not just do this and don't do this. Keep Shabbos and don't do, and, and, and don't uh, desecrate Shabbos. It's not just that. There's the Kedush of Torah. Kedush of Torah is higher than creation. It's higher than Teva. So Moshe Rabbeinu brings the Torah. So Moshe Rabbeinu lifts the whole generation higher than Teva, higher than nature. Which is why, by the way, Last week, the, I don't know if you read the news, last week the Meraglim didn't want to go to Israel. You read the news? Did you, did, did you, huh? you saw the news, right? Last week they didn't want to go to Israel, the Meraglim, right? You saw that, right? It was the latest news, right? Last week, okay? Why didn't they want to go? Oh, yeah, because they said Midbar, Torah, higher than nature. That's us. Where are you sending us? To Israel, nature. I'm interested. That was last week. This week there's other stories, you know, you know, headlines. But this was last week. Okay, so that was when we were in the midbar. Okay, then we go to Tisral. And now Tisral, if you ask the question, is Tisral teva or higher than teva? The midbar. Life in the Midbar, those 40 years, was clearly above nature. That was clear. But during the period, about 800 years or more than that, we were in El Tisrael. Was that Teva or Highland Teva? What was that? Huh? Teva? Everyone agrees? What was that? Highland Teva. So, so the truth is it was both. It was a mixture of both. It was Teva and Highland Teva. What was the Teva? 
Teva was that if you want food, you got to work the fields. You got to work the lands. In the desert, if you want food, just walk outside every morning and you have the food. Amazon send it. You know, they had a special delivery straight from heaven. You know, no problems. But you go to Atislam and you open the door in the morning to find the man. Amazon is out of business, no deliveries. So what do you have to do? You got to work in the field. You got to toil hours and hours. You got to sweat. Okay, that's Teva. So where's the Lomailam in Teva? Where's the above nature when you're in Atislam? Where's that? Where do you see that? Huh? In the base of Middash, right? That's one place you saw it. Even in your field you saw it. Right? You know what you saw in your fields? Every sixth year. You know what happened every sixth year? Huh? You stop. You stop. The seventh year you stop. What happened every sixth year? Double. Right, double, triple. Right. You know, all of a sudden, every sixth year, whoo, look what's going on. Where are we going to put all this stuff? You got to find new storage. New refrigerating systems. You need new things now. Okay? So the Yidin were not to slow. On one hand, there was Teva. But not a 100% pure Teva. It was like a mixture of, uh, you know, high-grade Teva. Close to higher than Teva. Okay? Now, when you're living a life on El Tisral, there's a certain danger that you could forget about Hashem because you got to work the fields. There's such a danger. In the midbar, it's pretty hard to forget about Hashem. Somehow they didn't manage to complain anyway. You know, they, they manage. But it's pretty hard to, to forget about Hashem in the midbar. You know, you're getting the food from man and all these miracles. It's pretty hard to forget Hashem. But when you go to Atisrael, it's easier to forget about Hashem. You could start relying on Teva, on nature, you could start thinking teva, teva, nature is very important. And it could be distraction to your Torah mitzvahs. But it was Teva, but not coarse Teva. It was high-grade Teva. So it was easier to succeed in lifting yourself higher than Teva. This was actually the function of the kings, the official function of the kings, in Atisal, the official function. It got messed up later on. But when Hashem gave us the mitzvah of having a king, like David Amelech, Shleim Amelech, these these kings, they were they lifted the Yidin to higher than Teva. That was the real function. That was their job. Later on things got messed up, they started sinning some of those kings and things. But that's the original purpose of, of, the, of a king. A king is supposed to be super devoted to Hashem extraordinarily devoted to Hashem, very humble, and he's the king, and he's supposed to lift the Jews to a higher level. Not Kohen? Huh? Not the Kohen, not the priest? Not? Not the priest, not the Kohen, uh, Well, the Kohen also. The Kohen also. But mainly the king. Mainly the king. People bow down to the king. They bow down to the king. Okay, Jewish people don't like bowing down business, except for Hashem, right? Why are they bowing down to this king? So the deeper reason is, what a king is meant to be, a real king, his whole life is just about Hashem, not about himself. So when you bow down to the king, what that really is supposed to mean is, why are you bowing down to him? 
Because this king is so holy and so devoted to Hashem. His whole life is just Hashem. So when you're respecting the king, you're respecting Hashem. It's like you have a country that sends an ambassador. You know, the United States sends an ambassador to one, uh, to, to, to some small country. So they honor the ambassador. Give him honor. Why are you honoring him? The guy is a drunkard, by the way. You know, he's a, but he's the ambassador of the United States. You have to honor him, right? So Lahavdil, a king, is an ambassador of Hashem. And the way a king is supposed to be, he's supposed to be holy. You know, super holy. Super holy means completely dedicated to Hashem. His whole life is just about Hashem. It's not about himself. So you bow down to the king, that's the way you get close to Hashem. Because the king represents Hashem. Because his whole life is just about Hashem, not about himself. He doesn't have his own agenda. His whole agenda is just Hashem. Does it imply that every king back then was a prophet? No, not necessarily. A king doesn't have to be a prophet. No. He should listen to prophets? Yes, yes, yes. Yes. And sometimes they'll ask a question to the Kohen Gado, you know, with the Uvatumim, yes. Now, but so that's how it is long. So you have the period of Midbar, of the desert. There you have open miracles. You have the period of Etisol where, is it Teva or not? Eh, halfway. Miracles, yeah, Teva, yes, okay, halfway. But then you get to Golos. Golos is darkness, okay? That's heavy dosage Teva. And the further you get into Golos, into exile, the more thick the Teva becomes. So here we run into the question the question is, does a Yid have the ability during Teva, during Teva period, COVID period, Teva period, does Yid have the ability during Teva period to lift himself higher than Teva? Okay, here's the question. And Hashem sent us to Golas, why? To lift us higher than Teva. But how do we do that? That's where we need the energy of the Nasi of the Rebbe. That's the job description of the Rebbe. The Rebbe, when you connect to the Rebbe, so the Rebbe reveals deeper energies within ourselves that we could lift ourselves higher than Tabba. Like the king. Huh? Like the king. Right, right, right. right. That, that's what a Rebbe is. Rebbe allows us to go higher than Tabba in our devotion to Hashem, in our studying tale, in our dam, in our mitzvahs, higher than Teva. Now I want to give you an example of this higher than Teva, which you have from devotion to the Rebbe. I want to give you an example of something which I call a miracle. You could disagree with me if you want, but I call this a miracle. Like an open miracle, in my eyes at least, it's an open miracle. In our generation, by those, you see by those who are makusha, they're attached to the Rebbe. An open miracle. The open miracle is shlichus. Shlichus, shlichum Rebbe. In my eyes, it's an open miracle. I'll tell you why, why I think it's a miracle. Okay? These shluchim of the Rebbe, I know who they are. Some of them. Okay? Relatives. I have children that are shluchim. You know, I know, I know more or less who the shluchim are. I mean, some of them. 
There's thousands, I don't know Start them. listing. No, I'm just saying that, you know, some of them I know, okay? <laughs> These shluchim are a miracle. I'll tell you what the miracle is. The miracle is, why are they going on shluchas? Why are they going? It doesn't make sense. They could have stayed in the tri-state area. They would have it better. Some of them, many of them, okay? I know quite a few like that, you know? They could have stayed in New York, you know, I don't know, Muncie, Cranice, whoever they want, right? Make a lot of money. And some of them were making a lot of money. They had a good begashmius. They had a good beruchnius. You know, good schools for the children, good environment, where you have fabringa, you know, a good environment, class, it's good. It's good begashmius, it's good beruchnius. Then these guys, they say, we're going to Shlichus. Where are you going to? I don't know, some town. You know, is there a good education for your children? No. No. There's actually no education there. Okay? Is there like a shul, you know, with minyanim, three times a day? No. No. Okay? Where are you going to buy kosher food? Probably in the, the, the kosher pizza shop. No, no one knows what kosher pizza is over there. So we got to import food from, uh, from New York, from other places. Okay? And, and what about financially? Financial is struggling. We have to, have to get money from people. It's not an easy task. Why are they doing it? It doesn't make sense. That's a miracle. It doesn't make sense. Now, some people are by nature, I don't know, they're holier people. They're tzaddikim. They don't care about the world. They only think about Hashem. And they go on shlichas. I, I, maybe, okay, I get it. But I know those shluchim. I know who they are. They're just regular people. I mean, there are different shluchim, obviously. There are really tzaddikim. But a lot of them are just regular people, just like we are. Just regular people. Nothing special. Okay? And yet they are going on shlichas because they care about another yid. They don't know. They don't know where they are. Right? They're going to a place and not necessarily they're welcome there. Okay? Not that they're going to get a big committee, come. They're not welcome necessarily, and they're going there, and they have to collect the money, and they're, ch- you know, for what? Because there's a yid over there that doesn't know about jamas. There's a yid that doesn't put on film, so I have to help the other yid. It doesn't make sense. How could you have a regular person that's ready to dedicate their whole life to help another yid when they're not tzaddikim? Begashmias, physically it's hard, beruchnis, it doesn't make sense. That's a miracle. That's a miracle where the Rebbe picks up Yidim, where the whole Teva of the world becomes secondary. What becomes primary is serving Hashem, loving another Yid, caring about the mitzvah of Hashem. Like their whole life changes, the whole perspective, whole outlook of life. That's just a plain miracle. Okay, I'm using the example of shluchim. There's other examples, you know, that applies to all of us. But that's one of the important parts of his to the Rebbe. And the more makusha we are, the ability to go higher than the world. And more attached to Taylor Mitzvahs. To the extent that we start realizing that, eventually we start realizing that, that 
the world is not a real resistance for Torah mitzvahs when you really get into the Torah mitzvahs, when you really do things with, with the right way, the proper way. Anyway, we'll stop over here, and we should all be mekusha. It's Gimel Tamas coming up. We should take advantage of the day and, uh, and, and receive the brachos of the day. Okay, we'll stop over here.